Well, good evening, Mosaic. My name is Pat Anderson, and I'm on staff here with our central team in worship, and I'm so glad to be here with you all this evening. Would you stand with us? We're about to sing a familiar song, but before we do, I want us to pray this prayer together. Would you pray this with me? Here I am. Lord, you are here. Lord, here I am. You are here. We have the opportunity to worship the living and the true God. So let's acknowledge his presence and let's call ourselves to attention as we worship him and praise him for who he is and what he's done for us. Let's sing this together. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall Oh 
may be seated. Well, good evening, y'all. It's good to be with you. My name is Matt. I work with kiddos here. I wanted to just welcome you to service. If this is your first time, we want to know that you're here and a couple of ways to do that. One is come out to the info booth in the foyer and say, hey, uh, if that puts you off a little bit, you'd rather do something a little uh, less formal, you're welcome to shoot a, a message uh, to us or you can jump on the website and uh, fill out a tab there and we'll figure out how to get you networked to the right people here. It's kind of a big place and we want to make it feel small for you. Um, I wanted to also just say uh, Wednesday night was Street Fest, so thanks for coming out and playing for those of you that did and just having a good time. It's really fun to spend a little time just kind of being silly and letting kids play and enjoying one another's company, so thanks, thanks for showing up for that. Um, wanted to point out a, a big monstrosity in the foyer. There's this big bookshelf that's sitting out there, and it's got fellowship kids across the top. And some of the Fellowship Kids staff are going to be rotating through. And we just wanted to uh, meet parents, be a face in the foyer, get to know people. But we also wanted to resource you. So if there are things like, I don't know what kind of kid's Bible uh, would be good for this age kid. Or we can't get a Devo rhythm going. Do you have any suggestions? Or my kid wants to get baptized. What, what, kind of, what are the next steps? We wanted to kind of have a, a, a point of connection there. And so you're welcome to come out and chat with me after service. And uh, it'll be Dana or Sheree or Jen kind of rotating through that in the weeks to come. So we'd love to see you and meet you out there. Um, next up is a, a parent meeting right after this. If you've got a student in student ministry, so 6th through 12th grade, they, uh, in between these two services in the Family Center Auditorium, there's going to be a little informational meeting. They did one last week, so if you already went, you don't have to go again. If you can't go tonight, that's okay. You can contact uh, Bethany there at the, her email address, and she can get you the information that you might need. Uh, finally, um, I wanted to invite my friend up, uh, Colette. Come on up. I'm going to grab your mic back here. Colette is uh, going to give us kind of a preview of a ministry that is uh, coming online this fall. And so here you go, Colette. I the put it against like there because I'm kind of lazy, so you don't have to hold it right up there. Sorry. Probably a little bit of space is better, but I don't know. I, I hold it right up on there. It rests on the... On my chin there. Is that proper technique, Pat? I don't know. I mean, all did, right, we're Did doing you want it. to use the mic when I'm done? Yeah, I'll, I'll wind it up through here. I'll braid something in there. Um, so, uh, Colette, tell me, uh, what is the, the, this Parents of Prodigals? Kind of give us the broad overview of what are, you, what are you doing there? How does this meet? When's it meet? What's going on there? So, Parents of Prodigals is just something that my husband and I are both really passionate about. Um, our oldest has been a prodigal for quite a long time. Um, our, our younger two, at one point in time, all three of them were really struggling, so we called ourselves the professional parents of prodigals. Um, that being said, um, during the storm, we felt very alone. We didn't feel like um, we had any support from our church, not this one, it was the Catholic Church. Um, from our, some of our friends, some of our family, all thought, what did we do wrong? Um, and so we felt very alone, embarrassed, sometimes ashamed, um, at, at things we couldn't control with our teens or adult children. Uh, so that being said, um, we are starting a group. Uh, we'll meet in our home. The curriculum is by um, Tom and Dina Yohi. This is, this is just a book, if you're not ready, to participate in a group, because it, it really is a hard time. You are not alone. I've read a thousand books. Um, this one's really, really good. So 
Um, it's by Dina Yohi. They had a daughter that was addicted to drugs um, and found her way back. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, uh, we'll meet Wednesday. We'll begin November 1st at our home, which is on the east side of Rogers. Um, if you have any questions, I think, is there a link? Yep. Or I work at the Counseling and Care Center, so you can just call the church and ask for me. There's only one Colette on staff. Only one. You're the only one. Well, thanks, Colette. I'm, I'm glad that you, in your space of loneliness, uh, in walking that alone and, and feeling pain there, that you've said no, nobody else has to have that same pain that we carried, and, you, and you're looking for opportunities to, to uh, lessen that pain in a really, a really tender space. So thank you for that. That's a big gift. I'll hold that, and uh, uh, let's pray for a moment. Thanks, Colette. Yeah, a little round of applause there. That's good. You did it. You were worried, but you did it. That was great. That was so good. Thank you. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, you are good to us. You're good when we stay close, and you are good when we wander far away. And so I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over this ministry and pray uh, just for moments of bravery for the parents in the room that might feel just overwhelmed by uh, taking the first step. Of, of stepping out and, and reaching out and saying, I, I want to I jump in and participate or uh, tell me again what that book was, uh, whatever it might be that they, they step into. And so I just pray for uh, spirit-inspired moments of boldness uh, for people in their pain to, to lean in in this space. And uh, would you just bless the conversations in the Johnson home this fall? We love you and you're good to us. Be with us tonight, we pray. This evening, we're not going to pray this offering prayer together, but we're going to give a little bit of space before the plates are passed for you to spend some time with the Lord and to pray this to him. And so I encourage you to do that now before we continue to worship through song and through offering together. our prayer this evening we sing for my way breath for my day Thank you. 
declare this together. Where the Behold 
declare this together. He's the only one who can satisfy, we see. Only you satisfy. Only you satisfy. Jesus, you Mosaic. My name is Jason Adams, and our family has been attending Mosaic since 2016, I guess. Uh, in that time, we have been involved in various ministries, from the toddler rooms to leading a small group and hosting Discover Mosaic. Hi, my name is Stacy. Um, we also have three kids, Bella, Lily, and Jasper. And in addition to what Jason listed, um, I have taught some Mosaic women's classes and I'm currently serve on the Mosaic women's committee. Our scripture tonight is from Philippians chapter three, verses one to 11. Let's read from the word of the Lord. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the, the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But, what, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in the sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to resurrection from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hmm. Sorry, choir. I'm going to grab this real quick. Thank you all. Friends, if you would, go ahead and take a second and turn to someone behind you, around you, somebody you've kind of been like, I don't know if I know that person, and go ahead and tell them hi and welcome and greet, just for a moment.
Well, it's good to be with you tonight. Hi, my name is Colin, and I am a, like Paul, recovering legalist. Anybody in the room know what I'm talking about? I tried to come up with a joke about a legalist, but I figured it would get me in trouble. So that was my joke. Y'all miss Tim Keller? Gosh, I miss him. Legalism is looking at something besides Jesus Christ in an order to be acceptable and loved before God. Legalism is something besides Jesus Christ in order to be acceptable and loved by God. Um, you ever do those personality tests or which office character test or I'm a Lord of the Rings guy, so I don't know what house of Harry Potter I'm in. Um, I grew up discipled in the way of Lord of the Rings, so I've actually never read Harry Potter. Hopefully it doesn't lose credit. But I did find a litmus test of how do you know, how do you spot a legalist? How do you spot somebody who is constantly trying to earn God's acceptance and love through their behavior and action? Here's what it said. Symptoms of a legalistic person. Regularly complaining about things not being fair for them. Is constantly comparing themselves to others, both in their successes and failures. Is regularly angers when others receive grace that they did not deserve. And this is where it really starts to helm for me. Feels regularly that God does not like or enjoy them and is incapable of experiencing and expressing joy as they only know discontentment. Paul is writing to the, the church in Philippians, and here in chapter three, we're gonna see him start to really shift into some doctrine where he really will begin to address two different false teachings that are, we're gonna take apart these next few weeks. But this series, if you're in your Philippians books, this begins the, the next section of the gift of salvation. Something that is freely given by God for us, just to receive and be grateful. And in our time tonight, we're going to look at Paul dealing with a particular people group known as the Judaizers, who have a little bit of an obsession with cutting off foreskin. And uh, what they're going to do, as, as Paul will break apart here, is they're going to put some things that they have to add in order to have righteousness, God's favor in their life. And what I hope you hear from our time tonight, first off, is, is that knowing Christ, that the Christian life, Paul's going to remind us, as he said all throughout Philippians, this is a life of joy. Knowing Jesus leads to a life of eternal joy. And, and, and three movements will hit tonight. First, as we embark in this life with God, journeying with him into eternity, first, the priority. What's, what's necessary for life with God? Secondly, Paul's going to address prestige, accolades, accomplishments. What, what can I brag about and boast in in my life with God? And then lastly, the, the, the process. What does this process of salvation, of, of being in right relationship with God, look like? Y'all ready to dive in? Let's go. First one. Uh, first, Paul says, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Now, Paul, if you've been with us in Philippians, is this new? No, the, Paul's been telling them continually that this is the Christian life. You are to live a life of joy. But notice, what are we to put our joy in? The Lord. Joy in my circumstances? 
rejoice in my health and wealth and that everybody in my house was like kind of well-behaved under the age of eight today? Is that where my joy is in? No, rejoice in what? The Lord. That Paul is writing this from a prison cell. I mean, he, he could easily have not found himself in this place. And he's writing, reminding the Philippians, hey, I can sit in a prison cell and not have my joy robbed from me. Why? Because my joy is not in my circumstances. It's not about what I am or am not walking through what I do or do not have. My joy transcends my circumstances because I have a Christ who enters into those circumstances with me. So he tells them, rejoice in the Lord, for it's no trouble me for to say the same thing to you again. And then this is a new term in Philippians. He says, it is a safeguard for you. Because as we'll see, Paul's about to shift from this like, just rejoice in the Lord to beware of the dogs. It's like, what is this tone shift, Paul? But Paul, he's doing something here. He's primarily concerned with their Christian life and their doctrine. See, false teachings will always rob you of joy. When we start to, to take the good news of Jesus and his death and his resurrection and his ascension and his return and begin to mess and add things to it, it actually becomes a very joyless, religious, hypocritical life. And that's not what Paul wants for Philippians or for you and me. And so Paul, he says, um, what you believe about God, that's actually going to shape how you live. So if you believe that God is a tyrant who expects you to, to knock off every single one of these laws, and if you don't, mm -mm, you better watch out, he's coming. That's going to, to form how you live your life. That's a life of fear, not faith. But if this is the triune God of light and love who invites us into union with him by the second person of that Trinity taking on flesh and accrediting you to righteousness so that you can be in right relationship, that's something to rejoice in. And so Paul takes a, a really hard shift here. He says, watch out for those dogs. Now, he's not saying like, what's up, dog? He's not talking about pets either. Um, anybody been over to like the Greco-Roman area where like, or even just a third world country? Anybody? Okay, dogs over there are not usually pets. Um, dogs typically over there are, I remember I lived in India for a little while and we were walking down an alley one day and it was literally like a movie out of a, a like mafia a movie, like a scene out of a mafia movie, but it was like all the dogs were the mobsters. And so me and my friend Tyler Taggart were like getting done with a day of ministry in the streets of New Delhi. And all of a sudden, like the sun is setting and we almost like heard this like dark ambient synth tone behind us. And you could just hear the dogs start barking. And then all of a sudden behind us and in front of us, we found ourselves in the midst of an Indian dog gang fight. And it was a, it was a full out brawl because in that culture, in that context, these dogs are filthy. They're unclean. Um, nothing against animal lovers. I have a dog and I love him. His name's Bonhoeffer. You should come hang out with him sometime. He is named after Dietrich. Don't judge me. Um, it's actually a great way to share the gospel. He, uh, what Paul's doing here is one to the Greco-Roman world, dogs aren't something to bring in and cuddle. Um, dogs are something you actually want to keep out of your house because it's gonna make you pretty unclean. Also here, if you remember when, when Jesus shares a story about two men praying, there was a Pharisee and a sinner. And if you remember, the Pharisee prayed and he said, God, thank you that I am not like a dog. 
What is he talking about? Well, he's actually talking about a Gentile, somebody that's not a Jew. That this is the language. Paul's taking this phrase that the Judaizers are using to describe the Gentiles. And Paul, who is like been in the, the, the same ideology of the Judaizers, says, hey, watch out for those dogs. And you can just imagine the Judaizers like hearing that he's calling them dogs and just like, ah, rip off the coat. Not only that, he says they are evildoers. But these are religious people, right? Like the people who are going about and, and trying to advance the Torah and bring people to know the living true God. He says, Mm-mm, they're, they're actually evildoers. Why? And this is what he says. They are mutilators of the flesh. Mutilators. That, that term there Paul uses is actually, he's saying that all they want to do is cut a pound of flesh off of you. Literally. And then he switches into this, and I, I want to do a footnotes over this because there's so much theology that we need to understand as like Westerners coming into this passage written to the church in Philippi on circumcision, and tonight's not the time or place. But um, Paul is addressing here, these Judaizers are saying that if you want to be right with God, snip, snip, bad news, uh, one, for ladies, uh, there, there's not a lot snip. Other news for guys, I mean, if you're in like your 40s or 50s in Philippi and you're entering into this relationship with God by grace and these guys come over and say, hey, that's cool, you, you received Jesus by faith, we actually need you to come out back for a second. <laughs> Can you imagine the fear? And so Paul is saying, those mutilators, we are the true circumcision. Now, if you're gonna plant a church, I would not recommend that as your identity and mission statement. <laughs> it's not gonna translate. But again, what Paul is communicating here is this circumcision is meant to be, in Deuteronomy, God talks about it's a circumcision of the heart. It's an outward symbol of an inward reality for the people of God. And now, as we enter into the New Testament, Paul's saying there's no need anymore. That we are the circumcision, the, the true circumcision, the true family covenant people of God. He gives us three things. One, it's those who worship by spirit. It's not by some like attending a, a temple or memorizing Torah or even cutting off foreskin. No, we are saved by grace through faith and we worship and serve God not by our own flesh, but by capital S, his spirit, it dwells within us. Not only that, he says, as the covenant people of God, we glory in Christ. That's not a word we use a lot, is it, glory? Uh, it's one we should start using more. It means to boast, to celebrate, to, to rejoice in the Lord. It is to glory in him, to put him on display, his goodness, his works, his efforts. He's the one worthy of it. And then Paul takes this shift and he says, hey, as the covenant people of God, as God's family, we put no confidence in what we can or cannot do with this body. No, our confidence is in what Jesus did with his body, not, not in our self-effort to earn righteousness. You follow? And so Paul's taking this very seriously, and this is the only place Paul's done that. Look with me in Galatians. Um, this is nothing new for the church. Um, you have the Judaizers over in Galatia, and what they're saying is, hey, that's cool you got Jesus, but you also got something left to do. Jesus on the cross paid for 90% of your sin. But we actually, you have to still do something. You still have to earn and strive and toil for God's grace. This is earning grace. And what Paul's gonna say is, hey, it's Christ. It's just his work, his person. It is, we have his righteousness, right standing with the Lord, not by anything we have or haven't done, 
It's grace. He says this, you who are trying to declare righteous by the law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. For though uh, through the Spirit, by faith, we wait expectantly for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, listen to this, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision carries any weight. I love that he says that it's not bad or good. He just says it's irrelevant to righteousness in Christ. So he's not condemning Jews who are still practicing this. That circumcision, part of their ethnicity, their identity, the people of God that they're doing. What he's condemning is saying, hey, if you think that something on your body or something you do is going to give you any weight in earning God's a favor and affection, it doesn't mean anything. The only thing that matters is faith working through love. And I love this. Paul, so aggressive. What does he say? I wish those agitators would do what? Castrate. Welcome to fellowship. You didn't know you were going to be talking so much about circumcision and castration tonight, did you? But that's where Paul's taking us. But um, grace with strings attached is not grace. Like if my kids are, are opening gifts on Christmas morning and they're worried about if they're opening the gift right or if I'm going to lose it on them, that's not a gift. We, we talked earlier about the, the prodigals, like parents of prodigals. Um, the, does the father... Tell the prodigal son who's coming back from the pit, hey, go get a bath before I put this robe on you. No. Open arms, run, embraces him, grace. Get on this robe, get in the house, we're throwing a party. And who's left out in the field? The older brother. Because he doesn't think that brother deserves grace. That sinner, he has to earn right standing with the father. And what Paul says is, no, 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 no. If you want to have priority, if you want to have life with God, you want to enjoy eternal, ongoing, intimate life with God, there is one thing that is essential and a priority. Because what can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? For my pardon, this I see. For my cleansing, this my plea. This is all my hope and peace. My effort, my religiosity. Glory, glory, this I see. All my praise for this I bring. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know but nothing but the blood. Not our religious effort, not how good we are, not ourselves cleaning up before God. It's just the blood of Jesus that washes sinners clean. Now for sinners to enjoy eternal union with the triune God, nothing but the blood of Jesus will satisfy. That's it. And so what Paul is saying to this, if you want to enjoy life with God, you want to rejoice in the Lord, it's not your religious effort, it's not circumcision, it's not how good or bad you are. It is just the blood of Jesus that gives us access to the God of light and love. That's good news, isn't it? And then he continues. So now the priority, and then Paul moves to the prestige. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm washed by the blood of Jesus, but what do I celebrate in? Like now that I'm, okay, I'm cleansed, I'm righteous before God's eyes, surely now I, I can boast in my effort and my doing and my good works, right? Look what Paul says. He, it, it's cool, he actually does something brilliant. He gets on the Judaizers level here, and he says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, I, I should be able to brag. I should have some prestige. Why? In case anyone in Philippi is, is wondering 
Should I still go out back with these Judaizers? Let me tell you. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in their flesh, I have more. And then Paul goes down this long list of his background. He talks about his heritage. He talks about his ethnicity. He talks about his nationality. He talks about the things he's done in the religious system that have gained him incredible confidence before the people of God. I mean, a Pharisee of Pharisees. And I hope you notice something here. Not all of these things are bad. One of them is, I would not recommend going out and persecuting and killing Christians. Paul is not going to, that, that one we could say is on the bad list. Is there anything wrong with Paul talking about and admitting where he has come from? No. Is there anything wrong with Paul being able to say, hey, I have studied Torah front and back and can quote it? No. Is there anything wrong with, with Paul trying to climb this, this ladder into a pretty prestigious religious role in that community? No. Don't persecute and kill Christians. That's not good. But aside from the killing Christians, um, these aren't bad things, which tells us something. Our heritage, our background, the, the things we're pursuing in this life, the, the job, the, the car, the house, whatever it is, that's actually not a bad thing. That's, that's a good thing when it's put in the right perspective. And see, for, for Paul here, it seems like all these things I have, it's not that they're all bad, it's that when it comes to knowing Jesus, they just don't even compare. D.A. Carson, in reflecting on this verse, said, most who read these passages, I suspect, will not be greatly tempted to boast about their Jewish ancestry. Some in the room might, but, uh, or uh, ancient rites of race and religious heritage, but we may be tempted to brag about still less important things. Our wealth, our status, our education, our emotional stability, our families, our political or business successes, our denominational alignment, or even about which version of the Bible we memorize. Now, are any of those things bad? No. But am I gonna be able to come before a triune God of light and love and say, hey, look how awesome I was at being religious and it mean anything to him. Paul says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider losses. He's saying, hey, this, this used to be a gain for me, and now it's in the loss column. So much so that for the sake of Christ, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the what? The surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Who's, uh, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them, this term here, garbage. It, it, it's okay in the NIV, but I really like the, the, the Greek. It's skubala. It literally means like in the streets of Philippi, they're sitting there and they're in their house church and they're seeing Paul list, okay, we're thinking about, should we do the circumcision thing? Should we not? Like, is the work of Jesus enough? And Paul says, I've done all that and you know what I consider it? Step outside and smell the sewer. Compared to knowing the risen Jesus, it doesn't even come close. It's just garbage. That's how much Paul like if you were to ask him, what is the, the defining goal and aim of your life? He says, it's, it's knowing Christ. It's boasting in him. The prestige for following Jesus is that I get to know Jesus. You ever been in Bentonville like during the film festival? Y'all know, you ever been around there and all the celebrities start coming around and what do we do? We start freaking out. 
Like everybody's like, oh, did you guys see Shaq? Shaq's over there at Crystal Bridges. And then everybody like runs over to Shaq. It's, it's so funny. I loved, I was sitting at Onyx one day waiting for a meeting with somebody. And uh, who's the guy from Left Behind? Kurt, whatever. He did the movie. What is it? Yeah, that guy. Uh, he, he's at Onyx over there. And I'm watching people like gather around, be like, no, you go talk to him. No, you go talk to him. Oh my gosh. Why? Do they see like we're good enough to go up and talk to him? No, they, they just want to get close to him. Why? Because that's a successful person. That's a movie star. Who doesn't? Like, if I could sit at Crystal Bridges with Shaq, I've made it. Like, that's incredible. I just get to go sit and be like, Shaq, I love the way you and Charles Barkley go at each other. And he's like, oh, thanks, man. Um, but I just want to get close to him. Not that I've done anything to get close to a celebrity like Shaq. That's what Paul's saying here. I just want to be close to the risen Jesus. I just want to know him so much just to to be close to him so that when other people see Christ, they see me with him. And nothing else is going to count because what Paul says is, is, is in our prestige, what do we boast in the Christian life? It's not a religious resume. And you all have one. Now, some of us might say my religious resume is not that great. Like, um, we have some wonderful stories in our Discover group right now. Folks who've been walking with Jesus for a long time and folks who are just getting into the game. And if we're sitting in the living room and saying, well, welcome, newbie. You're not as important as the rest of us because I've had this many verses memorized and I've made this many disciples and I've attended this many churches and I've hosted... Scubula. Garbage. Why? Because all are equal at the foot of the cross, Yeah. See, the prestige, what we celebrate, what we boast and following Jesus is that we just get to know him. That term Paul uses is gnosko. It's an intimate knowledge. It actually roots in the Hebrew for when a husband and a wife are intimate. It's that same phrase, that same term. This isn't just a, I've read some Bible verses and me and Jesus are good. It's a, I want to have an ongoing fellowship and partnership with the risen Christ to know him more than anything else. That's my trophy. That's my accolade. Not the quality of your faith, but the object of it. Not about how much you can know informationally about Christ, although information matters, right? Like it's nice to have good teaching and right doctrine. But if that just stays in our heads and never makes its way to our hearts and doesn't make it into our relationships, we have missed the point. It's just become like a modern day circumcision. Where all I wanna do is just get people to know a bunch of Bible verses, but not know the living Christ. I love this. David Benner says, a familiar Christian hymn states that as I come to God, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. And Benner is very honest here. How deeply I resent this fact. How desperately I want to be able to contribute something to the deal. My faith, my effort, my love, my belief. But the bottom line is that perfect love meets me where I am and asks that I only open my heart and receive. The love for which I long. It took me a long time to begin to know God through my heart and not simply Isn't that good? Paul says that the priority, you wanna get in a life with God, nothing but the blood of Jesus. No matter what you have done, no matter what you could do, it's only by his work that we were declared righteous in his eyes in right relationship with the triune God. 
And as we do that, what do we boast in? How religious we are and how many churches? No, I get to know Christ on an ongoing, intimate way. And then Paul gives us even more. And this is um, incredible for me because back uh, in January, um, my wife and kids and I, we, we have a practice where um, we don't really do the uh, New Year's resolution um, because we're never gonna make it. But what we like to do is say, hey, in our walk with God, what's a verse or a truth that we wanna cling to this year? You know what mine was? I wanna know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the participation of his sufferings. And I didn't know that I was gonna get to stand here tonight and tell you, hey, I'm, I'm falling pretty short. Like, it's really humbling to have to stand up here and teach this one for me, because I am not an expert in this. Paul sent in a prison cell, like suffering for the sake of the gospel, and I'm like in the, the thick of working through some depression and anxiety, trying to be a faithful shepherd for our people here at Mosaic, and that both of us can stand and say, I wanna know Christ. Paul gives us a, the process in the Christian life. Okay, so priority, nothing but the blood. You're right with God just because of what Jesus has done. Prestige, we boast in glory in Christ, not our own ability or effort, which is good news on both sides, whether you're succeeding in your study of scripture or whether you feel like, man, I haven't picked up a Bible in months. Paul gives us th this process. He says, first, I want to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but from God on the basis of faith. Paul first deals with the righteousness, right relationship. What is it within our relationship between sinners and a sinless God? How are we to stand in union and harmony with him? It's Christ. It's his work. It's being made right by Jesus only by faith. It's, it's like, and, and we like to, as Christians, we like to argue about, was it, did God give me the faith or was that my faith? That I, how much is, it, if someone gives you a gift and you receive it, that doesn't make you better or greater or like more outstanding than the person giving the gift. You just receive. No one accepts a gift and is like, I got it. <laughs> it's just the giver of the gift. You just receive. We gotta stop arguing about, was it me or was it him? God in his grace extends right relationship with every single human by the work of Jesus on the cross. Will you receive that? And my fear is, oftentimes, as Paul's fear is for Philippians, we would start to question, was the gift actually enough? Is the blood of Jesus actually enough to give me right standing and harmonious relationship where God actually looks upon me and not only does he call me a son, he actually likes me. Paul first says that we, what we gain in our relationship as we know Christ is his righteousness. It covers us, it's imputed to us. Next is we get to gain a relationship. That we gain, I count all as lost that I may gain Christ, not only his righteousness, but an ongoing deep friendship. Jesus says, I call you not just my disciples, I call you my friends. King of kings, Lord of lords, seated at the right hand of the Father, looks down upon his church and says, that's one of my best friends. 
and they are not perfect. No, 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 far from it. Actually, that's what we use the term here is the sanctification. It's partnering with Christ, becoming more like him. But look at what Paul says here. He says, um, I want to know the power of his resurrection. Um, later in, in, in Paul's understanding, he would say that the resurrection, that, that God by his spirit raises Christ from the dead. So we're talking about the power of the resurrection. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. What God's spirit is doing in and through his church. Because after that resurrection comes Pentecost and nothing is the same. The whole world is being turned upside down by these followers of Jesus. So sometimes we get, okay, I'm right with God, but man, I, I think the alcohol or the porn or the anger issues or whatever the, the your cocktail of broken baggage sin is. One, we don't have to clean it up before God before he accepts us. That's already been covered. Two, we don't get to just sit in it and enjoy it, nullifying grace. Matt Nates will teach on that one later in the end of Philippians. What we do is we partner with God saying, Lord, I cannot change this behavior, this thought, this action on my own. I'm gonna need your power. And it's not just like power yippity doo everything's gonna be good in the world. No, notice what Paul says next in participation in his what? Sufferings. Jesus promises. He promises. Not like he suggests, he promises. If you're gonna follow me, you're gonna have troubles in this life. Why? Uh, because the world around us, um, it loves to gratify the flesh. And Paul's saying, hey, we're actually not gonna gratify and boast in our flesh. We're gonna lean on the spirit and gratify in what God is doing. Um, just this Wednesday night, anyone at Street Fest, were you all able to go? One of, one of my, um, truly, I can say this, one of my heroes in this season at Mosaic is a, a woman by the name of Lauren Toomer. Um, Matthew and Lauren have a daughter named Eleanor, Tom and Linda are sitting right over here, uh, grandparents, and they had a son named David, and it has been a long, grueling journey um, down at Children's in Little Rock, where um, David, he's living up to his namesake for sure, he, he is id for the fight of his life. And there's been high highs and there's been really low lows. And I saw Lauren, by surprise, I, I haven't seen Lauren in weeks because she's been down at Children's with David. And Wednesday night, I saw Matthew and Eleanor and I was like, yes, I wanna give them a hug. And just behind Matthew, I see Lauren Toomer step out. And I thought, that's a woman who knows Christ. And I said, Lauren, I'm so glad you're here. How, how's this been? Like, I mean, we've been texting, but how is this? You know what Lauren Toomer said? She says, I have never felt closer to Jesus. I don't think I would have been able to have time with Christ without this experience. And I thought, man, that is a woman who's really close to the heart of Jesus. And knows how to participate with him in suffering. Not avoid it, not run from it, but see it as a way to become more like Jesus. And lastly, Paul doesn't leave us there. He gives us something to look forward to. Not only do we gain righteousness, Christ's righteousness over us. Not only do we gain a relationship, an ongoing friendship with the triune God. We get a resurrection. And somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. See, the Christian story does not end with, okay, I'm righteous and now I can just go about my day and wait to die and then I get to go be with God. Mm -mm. 
The Christian hope is Jesus is going to return and make all things new. That we will be free from sin where there's no more tears and there's no more weeping and the world and heaven will be made one in such a way that we can dwell with God on this earth, new resurrected bodies for eternity. So what is a prison cell to a person who knows that a resurrection's coming, right? Like, what is that? What is hardship and suffering in this temporary moment when I know the glories for eternity that Christ is going to bring? Yeah, I can endure. See, we're not those, Christians, we grieve, but we're not those who grieve without hope. If we only focus in on the brokenness of the world and we miss out on the beauty and the hope that's coming in the world, I mean, pick a situation on the news right now. We grieve, but we don't grieve without hope. We know Jesus is coming to make all things new. We get a resurrection. My favorite seminary prof, he, he's, uh, his name is um, uh, Glenn Kreider. He, uh, in regards to salvation, this gift of salvation, he said people will often ask him, hey, when did you get saved? You ever had someone ask you that question? When did you get saved? What are people typically asking for when they ask that question? When did you make the decision or, or, or when did you choose to follow Jesus? And I love it. He said, um, his answer was, when people ask me, what did I do to get saved? I say, I am still waiting. Because salvation, this, this gift from God that I can't gain on anything I've done or said, it's the freedom, not only from, go ahead, Kelsey, next one. It's freedom, not only from the, the penalty of sin, that, that I'm justified, I have Christ's righteousness. That's typically what people mean. When did you get justified before God? When were you and God made right? But friends, I don't wanna just stay there as like I left the courtroom and now I don't get to go to the dinner party where the father is hosting and invites me in as a son. I wanna be sanctified. I wanna be the the power of sin. Like there's still that mind of the flesh that's at work within me and I wanna work with the Holy Spirit to see it thrown off day by day to be made more like him. And I'm still waiting for the glory that new heaven, new earth, resurrected body. But the gift of salvation is not something that you and I could ever, ever add to, change, or bring anything to the table on. It's just to take a seat and enjoy. So, to close. Um, Knowing Christ leads to a joyful, joyful life with God for eternity. And, and how we enter, that the only thing necessary is the blood of Jesus. It's just his blood, his work, not anything you and I can do. And, and what, what does success look like? Well, we get to know Jesus more and more day by day. And we don't do that alone. That's not just like me with a Bible alone. That's good. It's in community with his people. I actually need brothers and sisters in Christ to help me boast in glory in Christ. And lastly, we're in process. Not perfect, process, knowing that we're righteous by what he has done alone, and we participate with the risen Christ as we suffer and we walk through hardship in this life into glory. And so tonight we're going to take communion, and we're going to boast in glory in the risen Christ. We're going to rejoice in him, not our circumstances, not how much we have or haven't done for God this week, just to glory and worship him. And what I'd like for you to do, the, the cups are gonna be double cups, so you'll have a cup with juice, you'll have a cup with bread. I'd like for you to come, take it and hold it, we'll take together. But as you come, 
fill in the blank. Knowing Christ is better than what? Knowing Christ is better than my failures? Knowing Christ is better than even like the the sweetest, like passionate moments in prayer? Knowing Christ is better than depression. Knowing Christ is better than marriage. What is it in your life that's competing to be valuable or that you think you could bring to God? And let's just confess that in glory in Jesus together. The tables are open, fill in the blank, and then we'll take and eat together. Come. Let 
this be my confession my wealth is in the cross my wealth is in the cross there's nothing more I want than just to know his love my heart is set on Christ and I Count all else is lost The greatest of my crowns Means nothing to me now For I counted up the cost And all my wealth is in the cross There's nothing more I want Than just to know His love My heart is set on Christ And I count all else is lost of my crowns means nothing to me now for I counted up the cost and all my wealth is in the cross yes all my wealth is in the stand with us and let's sing this familiar hymn together as we reflect on his sacrifice we sing what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus and what can celebrate that truth tonight. We believe that it is true. So we take the bread, his body broken for us. Take and his blood is poured out for the forgiveness of sin. Take drink.
And what did the apostles do before they went to the Mount of Olives after the Last Supper? They sang a hymn together. But before we leave this place, would you join us as we acknowledge that it's not by our own power that we live out the way of Jesus, but we rely on Christ within us. Let's sing this together.
For he has said that he will bring me home. And day by day, I know he will renew me until I stand with joy. Thank you for worshiping with us tonight, Mosaic. It was such a special time to be able to rest in the word of the Lord and to sing praises together. Um, before you leave, if you have need for prayer, we want to let you know that there are designated spots at the back of the room where a prayer team uh, would love to pray with and for you. So before we leave, let's say this prayer together. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Go in peace this week.